fright rags, horror apparel, and accessories. <laughs> if you're a horror fan, then Fright Rags is the place for you. Fright Rags has been bringing you the best in horror apparel and accessories since 2003. Officially licensed collections, including fan favorites such as Halloween, The Evil Dead, Creepshow, and tons more. No matter what type of horror you are into, Fright Rags has you covered head to toe. Offering a wide range of exclusive products from your favorite creature features, slasher flicks, and cult classics. Metal Hand of God listeners get 10% off when they use the code MHOG10 at the checkout. So don't miss out on your favorite horror apparel and accessories you can only get from Fright Rags. That's fright-rags.com. And remember, use MHOG10 at the checkout for 10% off your purchase at frightrags.com. <laughs> And welcome back to the Metal Hand of God podcast. I am your host, Wayne, and you know that guy over there sipping Mai Tais at the sea. I'm the rum guy, and I, God, I wish I had a Mai Tai. <laughs> right, right. See, I was trying to give you something nice. Uh, and today we have an extremely talented guest, a, a, a lovely man who's been mentioned on the show once before, uh, Mr. Vince Wilson. How are you, sir? I am fantastic i am so glad to be here today thank you so much for having me on this show i am very excited yeah we're glad to have you too we, we, we appreciate you coming on this is yeah. uh this is amazing um uh i'm amazed with what you do i know wayne is and yes. i know the people out there listening want to know if they don't know already please tell them i am a a uh, mystery artist a bizarre magician an individual who crafts magic around storytelling and strange phenomena, history, mystery, and magic, aspects of the mind, the psychology, the uh, aspects of human psychology and sociology often make it into my shows, including true crime and horror. Uh, but, you know, it's fun, too. I mean, who's, who doesn't love all of those things? Exactly. Really, you know. I mean, I do. I mean, but it's 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 amazing because we've we, we've talked to uh, a few other magicians uh, and, and people that deal in and uh, uh, things of this nature, but not quite like you do it either. I think. Uh, what? How did you? I mean, of all the type of things to be interested in, this is this is definitely kind of an out of the box realm for 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 magic users, is it not? Yeah, it is. The um, it, it it's well. Out of the box, if you, it's not really something you can buy off the shelf for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, sure. Yep. It's, there's there's nothing uh, out there that's easy to find when it comes to this genre of magic. Um, I grew up in the seventies and eighties. Uh, I was my influence was Harry Blackstone Jr., Doug Henning, and In Search of. 
Nice. Uh, if you can imagine that. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, there's you know, like three different types right there. Almost. Oh, God. I can remember as a kid watching Doug Henning and just being like, oh, wow, this is the wow. coolest thing ever. Yep, yep. And he just brought that wonder to his audience. So yes. the first thing about being a good magician is loving your audience. It can't all be about you. Uh, that's that's for mentalists. Mentalists, it's all about them. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm gonna get a lot of flack from the mentalist community for that one, but it, <laughs> there's there's certainly exceptions. Let me tell you, there's definitely exceptions that are amazing people, great people that are mentalists. Uh, but the that's the that's not the rule. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, but yeah. So those are my influences. Were strange, spooky TV shows like the In Search of, like In Search of Ripley's, believe it or not. With Jack Palance, of course. Well, yeah, the, the best uh, version of that show. Great voice. Uh, yep, exactly. Believe it. Or not. Or not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In the late seventies, really perpetrated those those shows um, all over uh, television uh, and later cable TV. But back then, it was like on any Friday or Saturday night, you watch a a serious documentary on ghosts and haunting psychic phenomenon and um, like mysterious world, for example, is another show that came on. Sure. Yeah, it would come on 10, 10 or 11 o'clock at night, sometimes midnight. Uh, and then you had, of course, shows like creature feature yes. uh, in the Baltimore DC area that had showed all those old horror movies. So those were my big influences when I was a kid, I was reading books on it. Um, as young as eight years old on spooky topics, I was reading Stephen King by the time I was dead. Um, you know, and those these influences contributed to uh, my development later on. And of course, magic was something I was always interested in. There was a local magic shop called Denny and Lee's in Baltimore, and I would visit there hoping to be indoctrinated into their their clique they have there. But I it never happened because they my interests went were outside. I think your comfort zone there. <laughs> uh, so I, the, one of the earliest magic tricks I ever got was uh, something called Lizzie's hand, which was actually based on um, Lizzie, uh, the Lizzie Borden story. And it was a, it was a confession by Lizzie Borden that would bleed when you touched it. That's uh, incredible. That's yeah, cool. That's right. But it, but the, I don't know how that sh that shop should not even have had that. It must have ordered it by accident, not knowing what it was. Because although it was a magic trick, technically, it wasn't the kind of magic tricks they were used to having there. Uh, mostly, and, and trust me, all the magicians associated with that place were amazing magicians, but of the classical sort. You know, sure. um, you know, hats and doves and leaking rings and uh, cups and balls and tons and tons of card tricks. Right, um, right. You know. Uh, the uh, bizarre magician wants you to come into their show and not be sure where the magic starts and reality ends. Uh, you know, they want you to, to believe that it's possible that you're actually experiencing things. So, like I could do two kinds of seances. I could do a seance that's all tricks and gimmicks. I could do a seance that has none of that and is probably more believable. Uh, you'll you'll go in there really believing that you had experience. And I didn't do a single trick. I didn't do. I didn't have any strings or gimmicks or or electronic setup. But you will leave that seance believing that you had a paranormal experience in there. That's uh, amazing. I like that, dude. That's really cool. Yep. In fact, I did that two weeks ago. My first ever. Uh, well, that's not entirely true. I did do a virtual seance from uh, Eastern State Penitentiary about twelve years ago. <laughs> wow. Uh, but but it was. 
uh, through real video. So mm-hmm. it was like a 280 resolution. It was really bad. <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, this is my first modern one with a Zoom meeting in which I co- try to contact the spirit of Edgar Allan Poe uh, via virtual seance. And people swore they saw his face appear in the video. They saw balls of light appear. And it, none of it, there, once again, no special effects, no gimmicks. They, but they believe these things happen for that's, sure. See, that's, that's cool. Am- it's amazing what your mind can do to you. And what you what what it will convince you of? Yep. If your mind makes it real, then it is your perceived reality. Exactly. And that's you know what else? It's kind of this is kind of a weird point, but you know when 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 you tell a lie, and someone tells it so convincing and so often that the person telling the lie eventually believes that it really did happen to them. And it, it's it's the same. You know, it's kind of like that same thing where if you it's you just convince people it's amazing it's it's one of the coolest things i've ever seen like i i work with a magician i've actually i'm an assistant for uh uh one of my, uh, my boss actually uh, he's a doctor that also is a magician and uh we also do a um we do two shows we do a regular show that's based um on new orleans like all the themes and stuff in new orleans and then we do another show that only comes out during the october days which is more of a creepy haunted kind of you know uh we have a a seance doll and, and things like that you know it, it's it's really cool so i i get what you're saying <laughs> yep you you've seen bizarre magic on television before it's yeah. actually very popular on pen and teller fullest um the illusionist the uh you know america's got talent britain's got talent there there's been magicians on there who have done bizarre magic they just uh, assume, I guess, the general public wouldn't know what they're talking about, so they're not introduced <laughs> as such. Right. Sure. But, but anytime you see a storytelling magic where there's a, a narrative um, or a historical reference, uh, or, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be spooky, it just has to be meaningful in yeah. a way. Yeah. Uh, well, but, how how do you how do you create that mood? I mean, um, without giving away anything, I mean, is it... Um, d- when when you are uh, working on on a project, a new project, do do you, um, do you, how do you, do you script it out? Is it is it kind of like a songwriting process for you, and or 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 how does that work? I mean, in in with like I said, without giving anything away. I mean, you're, I'm just curious on your on how your creation process happens. Well, it's sometimes it is, uh, you know. I'm a little bit of inspiration from a TV show, a book I might be reading, um, or a topic I think people want to hear about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously you want to you want something that uh, will draw people in. It might be a passion I have. You know, most of my shows are themed over an overall topic, but you can also have a part of that show that gets its inspiration from something else. So you might have a show like a, like a a very popular type of bizarre magic show is what's known as the artifact show in which you have a series of artifacts there. You know, it might be um, like placed haunted places I have been to, Uh, or I have a show called fairy tales to tell a dark in the dark in which I have, I tell this, the darker stories of fairy tales, the original Brothers Grimm cool. sort of stories. Um, and of course, you know, killer leprechauns and uh, red caps and and fairies that will take you to another realm uh, where time is lost. Gotcha. Uh, in fact, d- uh, during the story, for example, I tell them, I said, 
and modern interpretations of these stories. People have claimed that UFO abduction cases are fairies uh, or misinterpreted fairy tales in the past. That what actually happened in the past is when people claimed they were sucked into the fairy realm, they're actually abducted by UFOs. But I challenge you with this. What if it's the other way around? What if there are no such things as UFOs and what we think are modern aliens are in fact the same fairies that have always plagued us throughout history? You know, that's that's cool. Yeah, I like that, dude. That's super cool. (laughs) (laughs) So that is something that might happen uh, during a show. A little bit of inspiration comes from something I've read. I'll start writing it down and putting it into a script. I've written entire uh, one hour shows or longer. In, In fact, I do a some murder mystery shows that incorporate magic into them as well. Um, and he, and I write this entire mysterious, uh, puzzle that'll last, you know, an hour or two or three hours. Um, and based on just one tiny tidbit of inspiration I had like this one, I need to write an entire show around this. I, Mm -hmm. my, uh, I do a show called, um, you know, uh, well, a show called, based on the Titanic. It's just literally the Titanic show. I, I change the name sometimes, but, uh, but it's a, it's a based on the, t- the history of the Titanic, the sinking and a murder that takes place six months after the Titanic disaster where five people who survived it nevertheless die in mysterious circumstances. Oh, weird. And I okay. do this entire story based around this. Um, you know, of course it was, the story was lost in newspapers Right. Uh, because it was around the same time that the the, the White Star Line trials were taking place, where they were uh, trying to figure out, the, you know, who they're going to blame for it, basically. Sure. Uh, so the, you never hear about the, you never heard about these murders, and the whole the whole story was based on this one trick I bought from a, a now defunct magic uh, company. Uh, this one trick I bought, in which it was it, t- it tells the story of the suicide hotel. Uh, so I, I, it, it, I wanted to, I had this back idea of a Titanic show. I wanted to incorporate this story into it, and I just made it work, and it's become one of my most successful shows for that reason. Oh, that's uh, amazing! I mean, yeah. and what's great about that too is it really because you're 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 throwing the uh, the reality effect. I mean, there there's nothing more scary than reality. Let's let's put it out there. Yes. I mean, it's it's true. So people can can identify with things that they like you said things they know things that are that they're in their mind they can actually go oh that's that's true or that could be true or i think i've heard that before you know that sort of feeling and i think uh, that's what what you do is really great because it it when you're you're bringing in that story aspect of it it is it's like you get that feeling of your your little kids sitting around a campfire and the you know the guy's got the flashlight on his face and he's telling you that creepy story and then all of a sudden somebody jumps out of a bush you know that's the that's the feeling you want right that wonder and holy crap that just happened yep you're you're <clears throat> yep you're absolutely correct the um you know the there's there's shock value of course that has uh and you know there is there's uh, you know build up and suspense which is hard to accomplish. Um, you know the one of my favorite movies of uh, uh, you know of all time is The Exorcist, which had a lot of build up to get to the spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, that suspense worked. It made the impact of the spooky stuff later on even greater. Uh, my I do a Jack the Ripper show, which literally starts with a. Believe it or not, a PowerPoint presentation. I, <laughs> that's right. Uh, I actually have a, I have a monitor set up or a projection. I go through slides telling the story of Whitechapel. Now, I do play 
um, from some very song, uh, sad Victorian music um, playing in the background and during this presentation. And I have a slideshow that tells the horrible, horrible tragedy. The uh, I want to put a lot of it, Jack Ripper is the name of the show, and that's what gets people to buy tickets. But sure. this story is about the victims, not about the douchebag that is Jack the Ripper. Right, right. You know, uh, whoever that is. Uh, so I, the whole PowerPoint presentation is about how uh, tragic this time period in history was. The the area of White uh, Whitechapel in London, England, a, uh, a very small uh, regional area in which the unwelcome of London and England were uh, pushed together. The foreign people, the people of color, uh, you know, unfortunates, they were forced into this uh, very small area in London in, in a crowded conditions that were so bad, uh, boarding houses would force people to sleep standing up. Can you imagine? This is, this is not a, a made-up thing. They, yeah, would line, they would put ropes across the room and you would drape your arms over it, and that's how you slept in this standing position. That's and, insane. Yeah, until he basically let you out in the morning. Uh, but yes, it's, and that's how bad this was. And of course, for women, it was even worse. So I tell this entire tragic story uh, with the music playing in the background, and it it builds after that. I, then I start introducing them to the, uh, you know, the, the the suspects. I tell them about how the murders took place and all its gory reality but i tell you uh, it's interesting about the uh serial killer fascination that people have the true crime fascination so prevalent now but it's always been with us it's you know true crime has always been with us uh, it's always been popular even back then during the, the jack the ripper trial uh the jack i'm sorry jack the ripper because uh, they never actually convicted anyone but the sure. jack the ripper uh events uh, the autumn of terror it was called even back then, it was a it was it just captivated everyone. So uh, and today or never, I have a, people I have are innately a, gruesome. I have yeah. a I have a question. Sure. So of all the research you've done on Jack the Ripper, I know you had to have done a bunch. Who do you think did it? I it's a tie. I will say it's I would say between Aaron Kosminski and Francis Tumblety. Okay, mm. what were either one of those the doctor? Uh, are you? It, Doc, Francis Tumblety was Dr. Francis Tumblety, but he was an American quack, to be honest with you. Okay. That's okay, the one okay. I thought. That's, yeah, okay. that's the guy I I couldn't, I couldn't remember American. his name, but yeah, yeah, that's the one I was thinking too. Yep. Those are my uh, most uh, my most popular theories in that regard, my, my favorite suspects for that. Well, um, well yeah, who is the other guy? They were in the, uh, Francis Tumblety in particular actually collected human uteruses in jars. Nice. Yep. Yeah. So. Well, if you're well, going to collect, yeah, I mean, you know, why not? I mean, I collect toys, but I mean, I guess, I guess whatever you're into, to each his own. Get it, whatever yeah. you're into, but don't punch. <laughs> well, you, you could be in a That's uterus. Horrible. I know, but That's, whatever. I never said I was horrible. a good guy. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, with, with with all the storytelling and the and the and the gruesomeness and the things that that uh, that can be appealing to audience, do you think the magic? Uh, the in 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 a in a respect has it changed over the years? Have you seen? Could you let me put it to you this way? The shows you do, could you have done it when you were like if you saw in the time frame of when you were a kid? 
Has it changed? Is, this, is there taboos now in ma magic that are... I, I think it's become more prevalent. But magic is reinvented over and over again. You know, 300 years ago uh, plus, magic was um, silly, actually, just in a way. Uh, it's not, that's not always, it wasn't always true that way, but mm -hmm. magic was... You're, you could expect people to be wearing uh, wizard hats and robes uh, and jester caps and Justin. performing... Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is that something you would do, Justin? You would wear all that, but not even. I, do I actually have that. I just, oh, okay. you know, that's usually just my Tuesday. You know, I just yeah, throw yeah. on the jester outfit and yeah, run what, around uh, the island. That's uh, what I do. Yeah, I was gonna yep. say that's what Rum does. You know, he, he grabs his bottle and he's just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm the I'm the uh, the the magician on this planet, or the wizard, the wizard of the island. That's what he the is. The wizard of the island. That's what I am. But uh, no, I, I just uh, I was curious because I, I know the, the, the idea of uh, magic and entertainment and, and things like that has been throughout throughout history. I mean, I mean, before probably even so much before written history, there were things that amazed the people, you know. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's just it always amazes me when uh, you see someone who has who has the talent that uh, that can can do this. I mean, you 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 really do have to create that air of wonder. Yeah. And then, and then when, and it's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of buildup in the, in the type of magic, magic you do. You're right. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, you're completely creating a living story. And what it's great about it is you bring that audience in. It's not like sitting back and just watching you. I mean, you want to bring that whole feeling of you're now a part of something, mm -hmm. you know, and that is, that is so cool. I mean, it's, uh, can you do you remember the first show you ever did? Yep. Oh, uh, well, before I get into that, I, I do want to finish a real quick history recap, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah go right ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. So, yeah, so 300 years ago, there were wizard caps and, and Chester outfits, which is not, not judging Justin, that's fine. Um, <laughs> and then in the, in the Victorian era, that changed with a, a magician named uh, Jean Eugene Robert Houdin. All right. Uh, he was a French magician who did uh, stage effects in contemporary clothing. Although there is some evidence to suggest that other people had done it up at that point, but he really pioneered that that oh. look, um, and it kind of evolved to that. He, uh, this also mingled in with Victorian spiritualism, so there's a lot of magic and mentalism that evolved from uh, from spiritualism. You know, the mm -hmm. uh, is escape magic like Harry Houdini would not have existed if it weren't for the Davenport brothers uh, and the Fox sisters in Victorian spiritualism who would lock themselves up with ropes in spirit cabinets. And they would, they would, uh, you know, of course, I'm sorry, let me track that back a little bit. It's the ghosts, of course, that were right. shaking a tambourine and making knocking sounds. And of course, when the doors open, they're still tied to their chairs. It wasn't <laughs> right. because they escaped from those ropes <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Chain. Yeah, no. But but yeah, the 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 oh, all, all of modern magic um, owes itself to the 19th century and the interpretation of that magic. Although a lot of magic goes back hundreds of years, a lot of the good, the really popular things that you know now came from the 19th century. The early 20th century uh, and late 19th century, these the shows were grand, with huge spectacles with casts of over 50 people in them um, that incorporated 
uh, demoniacal imagery of, of devils and imps on shoulders and things like that, of decapitations and levitation. Uh, and uh, The shows were three hours long with an intermission involving uh, great luminaries and magic like Dante and Keller and Carter and Thurston. You know, but at vaudeville crashed and so did most of these grand stage magic shows mm -hmm. uh this created the uh the invention of this kind of inspired the invention of strolling magic close-up magic and things like that uh which is what we mostly know today but storytelling magic is where all the big magicians today are involved in uh david copperfield wants to be known as a storytelling magician. In interviews, he will tell you, I want to be known as a storyteller first, a magician second. Um, you know, he tells the stories. These are simple stories, of course. They're like, when I was a kid, I grew up in New Jersey. I never saw snow because we vacationed in Florida. This is probably not true. Right, <laughs> it right, sounds right. good. Um, and he would do this effect called snowstorm, where uh, from his hands, you would see snow fly out of his hands onto the stage and into the audience. It's an amazing effect. It is. Uh, but, uh, he, he didn't invent it. Other magicians have done it. Uh, but it's, it looks great when he does it. It's a great story. And that's a storytelling magical effect, uh, basically. So uh, now we're caught up on the history of magic. <laughs> I, I, and, it, and like I said, it's it's an amazing. For anybody out there listening, uh, the, the, go back, listen to the names he said because uh, uh, read up on some of those magicians because yeah. they they were amazing. I mean, they were oh, ahead yeah. of their time in a lot of the what they did. For like sure. I, I've I've heard of the uh, the sisters, the Fox sisters. I've heard of Thurston. You know, I've heard of a lot of these guys. You know, I mean, yeah. talking to my boss, uh, doing magic stuff. We we. You know, he always brings up the stuff that he's researching. Like he has like a 500 book library, you know, it's like massive. And so he's, you know, talking about those guys. And then he talks about the guys that are local that are, are John Rockabomber and, um, oh God, I can't remember the other guy's name is going to kill me. But anyway, those, you know, those guys who have are 60 plus years old who have been doing this forever and who's from what I, from what I know, John, uh, has written about 500 books <laughs> on magic, and and he's always published in Genie Magazine and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. he's a very nice guy, very nice man. I mean, I've met him a bunch of times, yep. um, and it, it's just quite amazing that you know what. All right, I'll put it this way: in the this is going to be a weird analogy, but in the music area is where i'm mostly at because i'm in a band i was in a bands and just rum's been in bands and mm -hmm. you know if you look back at your bands and you see how they don't really respect the guys locally you know like don't really respect the local guys who have stomped the grounds before they did unlike magicians who are all about the history of what happened and they build upon the history of magic, which is fantastic to me because you will never let that die. And that's what's to me, what's more important the, to, to take the older stuff and keep it at the forefront to kind of keep it going for the next generation to learn about, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that's fantastic. And well, you know, the magic and illusion has definitely made its way into 
the music industry too. A lot of the stage oh, yeah. special effects, you know, Alex, Alex, Alex Cooper. Cooper. Oh yeah. Yep. Exactly. Is a good example of that. Uh, you know, incorporated magic um, and uh, advice from magicians in many of his shows, which is fantastic. Uh, and then, then the rock star has gone into magic like Chris Angel, who's done all that, you know, stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We tolerate him. You know, yeah, when, he's you all know, right. You know, when I think of magic, I just think Barry Manilow. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> because he yeah. makes the magic, baby. He, That's he right. Also writes the song. So, but no, back to, back to my question though. That uh, tell me about that first show. Was it that this ah. is the, okay? The very first one, not 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 when you, maybe you were a kid, but the first show that you said, "This is the type of magician I am, and this is my show." Well, that was in Fells Point in Baltimore. Uh, probably 20 years ago now, uh, I I was uh, just starting or getting the idea in my head of what, what I wanted to do. Um, I had done like magic for friends and it's and uh, it, you know for free at parties and things like that. Uh, and then I started to get into the local paranormal community, um, you know, and I started doing ghost tours in and around Baltimore. Uh, and I, I actually did a uh, show for Discovery Channel uh, on oh, wow. the haunted uh, Edgar Allan Poe House and Museum in Baltimore City. I did a thing for Destination America on the USS Constellation. Uh, the tra- uh, later on, I did that again for Travel Channel. Um, and I did a show for, um, what was it, uh, Nat Geo, too, but it was mostly a credit at the, you know in the show more than it was actually a performance. But the... Uh, the first show I did, you know, thanks to all this attention, was in Fells Point, um, and it was a seance show, basically, at Bertha's Muscles in Fells Point, Baltimore. Okay. Um, and we they had an ex- this extra room on the second floor, and I would bring ghost tours in there, and I would do seances in this room. And we would do, the, it's called underground magic, uh, combined with bizarre magic. Underground magic is a little known field of magic, which a lot of magicians listening right now are probably saying to themselves, I've never heard of this. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and, to be, and to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't even know I was doing it until someone told me late, years and years later, oh, you're doing underground magic because it's what it is. It's it's a back of the room sort of magic show. Um, you, it, the ticket prices are usually pretty high uh, because what you're doing is you're offering them something that feels real. Uh, it, this this isn't like enterta- just regular entertainment, which can be fun and amusing and wonderful. Little Little moments of wonder. Lots of magicians can do that. Um, underground magic and bizarre magic combined is where people just walk out with their reality changed or challenged. Um, they're, you know, where they doubt everything they thought they knew. Um, you know, the, the most famous underground magician in the world is David Blaine, uh, to be honest yeah. with you, because that's what he used. To, that's technically what he still does. You, you never see a arena show with David Blaine. He's performing for celebrities sure. at, at their mm-hmm. houses or mansions and things like that. Um, and that's underground magic. These are private parties that have a very unique feel and uh, a look to them. So my my first show was in Fells Point at Bertha's Muscles. There was a um, it was I was very very nervous. Uh, I'd done some seances with friends before, but this was the first time I tried to really combine uh, aspects of what I had learned through hypnosis, um, you know, psychology and. Uh, and magic and mentalism all into one show. It went mostly good, 
there were a couple of hiccups here and there because it was my first time doing something like that. And even that was mostly such was uh, mostly self-criticism more than the people not enjoying themselves uh, because they didn't know what, what it was real and fake or whatever. They, I, I, it wasn't like I, uh, you know, I broke a string and a bell went off early or something like that, which is <laughs> you know, or something like, uh, uh, <clears throat> which is something that may be an actual trick, but I'm not going to confirm or deny that. Uh, <laughs> but the, um, but yeah, it wasn't something like that obvious. I knew that I did something wrong, but the audience didn't. It probably sold it as a little bit more real because they probably picked up on my uncertainty. Because you're, you're, you know, there's a certain thing to be said about someone who is trying to do something supernatural and they're not sure about it. Overconfidence may make it look uh, less real, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah, so it, it, of course they got better and better and better. I started to adjust my persona uh, as an expert on this and i you legitimately become an expert on the paranormal and supernatural and things like that you become aware of the past uh you know research and uh and the accomplishments of others uh, who have pioneered uh, certain aspects of this field of study if you want to call it that sure uh, and it really helped my magic shows later on and also made me a uh, I became a published author in which I uh, wrote about the paranormal and supernatural, later magic as well, and I incorporated all that into it. But yeah, that was my first show back in Fells Point. In the, That's fucking cool, so, man. Yeah. And he did all that at the age of five. I can't believe that. That's right. Yes, I'm only 30 years old. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. um, I, I do want to say that um, I think it was a couple years ago, maybe like four years ago, David Blaine did do a um not an arena tour but it was like um kind of a big what did he call him like playhouse tour yeah yeah he did it was um because we had him at the sanger which is a very large venue and my boss went and he was just blown away by him he, like he, he got to talk to him for a few minutes and stuff because of his connections but um yeah he said it was fantastic said what the things that he did you know he was he was kind of skeptical about it because it was like yeah well david blaine what is he gonna do <laughs> you know he doesn't do much uh big stage stuff so it's gonna be kind of weird going to see him on a big ass stage thinking he's gonna do you know a few card tricks or you know things well, like that but but he did all, he know he is he's really not that i don't know i mean he's more of a i don't know I, I don't look at David Blaine as a. Um, oh, this is going to come out completely wrong. Please, I apologize when this does. Um, yeah, David Blaine, not, if you ever want to come on our show, don't listen to Justin. <laughs> he's not. Uh, it's not that he's not very good at what he does. He, to me, though, he, he's kind of like the, the persona that he has. Really, isn't it, it? It either grabs you or it puts you off. Yeah, some people like him. Some people don't. Man, you know what I'm saying? It's just that yeah. type of. Uh, he to me he's not I don't know I don't I don't really see him as a storyteller magician by any means I mean he's uh, he just walks up to people and be like oh my gosh there's a, a I just put a nail through my head and he probably actually did it you know <laughs> just because he's a weird dude but um, I don't know I, it's I guess to each his own when it comes to different types of magic it's just, right uh, yeah yeah. You know, and that, and that's what's nice about it. But I'm I'm more of the I like I like being submerged in in the environment. You know, I think that's always a a, a way to go when it 
you know, when it be to be pushed past the point of just being entertained is what I like. And that's why I, I like the story things and the, and the atmosphere and the, did you ever see his, his original street magic special? I did a long time ago. Yeah. When, that he was still kind of normal ish. <laughs> yeah. He, he went, what he did was he started to go more into sideshow performance. I think now he still does magic tricks and, and street magic and that sort of thing. But it, he started to, uh, become more a uh, sideshow performer in a way. Mm-hmm. Sideshow yeah. is a different thing. Uh, although he'd, he'd, you probably wouldn't make that connection unless you really studied uh, different genres and categories of magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sideshow would be like putting a nail into your nose or eating a light bulb right, or, yeah. or breathing fire uh, or eating fire or walking on glass. Sure. All these are sideshow <laughs> aspects. So the, the newest thing he did was what he... Held, supposedly held his breath for 18 minutes underwater, yeah. yep. something like so. that. But uh, yeah, that's that's. I mean, it's a little cross between. I think what he's doing is is kind of Houdini esque meets whatever that is. What he does, <laughs> catching bullets in his teeth, you know that sort of. Oh, thing. he doesn't that's do that it. no more. <laughs> oh, he doesn't do that anymore. No, he he uh, fucked up on that one. Excuse my language, <laughs> but. Uh... He uh he, yeah he knocked out a couple of his teeth. I remember I seen that on TV. Yeah, he quit doing that one. <laughs> I couldn't tell if that was real or not. But I guess that was good then. Yeah, yeah, he really did it, and he caught he caught the the thing, and yeah, good job, good job. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I was impressed, but uh, I would never fucking do that. That's crazy. No, you know. You're not like us, Wayne. You got to live on the edge a bit. Living on the edge. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> but what's what's the rest of your year looking like? Uh, is the uh, the Zoom virtual thing the way to go for the rest of the year? Would you say with what's going on in the world? I will say yes. Um, the there's you know if you're if you're trying to be a professional magician, if you're really trying to um, you know continue doing. Uh, magic successfully, you have to worry about optics too. You know how you are perceived by the public, gotcha. and uh, so if you're out there doing, uh, sh- you know, live shows in Florida, uh, two feet away from people, doing walking around, strolling without masks on, mm-hmm. um, you know, then that's not going to look good for you. Okay, it's sure. not. All right, yeah, and this is something a lot of magicians and entertainers in general don't think about. All right, you you know to get, you can say what you want about cancel culture, but getting canceled for things you've said, seen, or or seen doing mm-hmm. is a real thing. Um, you know, regardless of what your opinion of that is, you know, sure. it, there, there's some legitimacy for having that sort of thing. Like, you know, the a company does not want to get in trouble later because they hired a racist. Sure. Uh, so. Uh, be mindful of what you're posting on Facebook. Yes, they are watching you. And no matter what, how high your privacy setting is, they can look that up later. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. So and, and so taking pictures at an event in which you it's, even if it's the end where there's someone snaps a picture of you receiving your paycheck, you can get in trouble for that if you don't have a mask on. If you're cl- closer than six feet, so be mindful of that the. Wow. You know, uh, be mindful of that. Really think about that sort of thing. And um, so, yeah, virtual shows are the way to go. But if you are going to perform live, just be mindful of social distancing. Make sure you wear a mask at all times and probably gloves 
You know, I, I host a workshop uh, most Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Uh, it's a virtual workshop for magicians, and we've been covering a lot of uh, data on how to, uh, through our website at postmagic.com, the theater we have in Baltimore, and which is now online completely uh, until we were able to reopen again. Cool. And the, uh, we've been helping magicians come up with ideas and uh, thoughts on how to do better virtual shows. And we have a weekly virtual show every Saturday uh, with internationally recognized magicians, uh, not just myself, uh, but lots of magicians have performed on Penn and Teller, AGT. These are winners on both those shows. Um, you know, come on there on a weekly basis every Saturday night, and you can find out more information at postmagic.com. Sorry about the plug. No, no please, no, plug but away. It's, but, it's, but it's relevant. Um, and the, and, the, uh, uh, and we are, we're definitely talking a lot about how to do better virtual shows and what kind of things you can do to make sure you're safe if you have to do a public show. But I think pretty much 2020 is shot when it comes to a, a live entertainment. It actually feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it I'm hoping... I am so hoping for everybody in the entertainment business in the world at this point in time, um, but uh, that uh, this this is not going to bleed too far into the the following year. I'm hoping that the you know the the, the powers that be the, the the geniuses out there with their test tubes and and uh, and and all that good shit that they've got that will figure this thing out um, and and we'll be able to uh, move past it in a newer safer way but definitely move past where we're at now because it's 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 almost like uh we're, we're riding in a car that's got a uh, a bad transmission right now it's moving but it, then it stops and clunks out on you and you gotta get start again and it's it's just too much hesitation and yeah. you know and the, and the world just doesn't need that anymore but uh, we do have to keep vigilant as you said i mean it is a a, a it's not only uh just the right thing to do on uh, the mass, the, the distancing and things like that. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, you've got to be mindful of if you're in the business, your audiences, you've got to be mindful of your neighbors. You got to be mindful of all of these things. Uh, because like you said, it can come back and bite you in the ass if you weren't expecting it. Cause it, you know, I, right. it just, it just occurred to me. I should have asked you guys to get a deck of cards before we started. Cause I could have done a card trick with you. Oh, oh that's all right. No big deal, man. We yeah, can, I, don't, yeah. I, I tell don't you, even know where mine's at. Yeah, I, I same here. <laughs> what we can do is we'll have you back on soon, and then we'll do that, and we'll make everybody yep. else that listens do the same thing. That'd be cool. Exactly. So next time I'm back on the show, have a deck of cards with you. We're going to do an amazing tarot card prediction because you oh, know the, the yeah. modern playing card is actually based on tarot cards. Neat. Oh man, I'm so in. That's going to be fucking great, dude. That'd be that awesome. Is cool. Well, look, you know, we've been running on here. And you were talking about plugging. Tell all these people where they can find you, man. Let like plug away. Give them some stuff to go check out. Well, I'm all over social media at Vince Wilson Magi. You can look me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, and I'm also the producer of Pose Magic Theater Online. So you can find out more about that. Everything at Pose Magic, like Edgar Allan Poe, P-O-E. Uh, S-M-A-G-I-C you know, at PoseMagic or PoseMagic.com we have a newsletter you can subscribe to look for updates on the website we have magic shows every Saturday this Saturday, by the way, we have the internationally recognized magician David Parr uh, performing, and who won on Penn and Teller Fullest, definitely go to YouTube, look up Penn and Teller Fullest, David Parr he does this incredible 
magic trick in which they shuffle two decks of cards and they both come up with the same results. It's absolutely amazing. Um, you know, so you have to check that out when you get a chance. Um, but yes, it's where you can find me online, VinceWilsonMagic.com, everything at Vince Wilson Magi. Uh, and I will love to do a virtual show for you and bring the spirits into your home. Hell yeah. And challenge your interpretation of reality. My next show, which doesn't have the, the schedule, I don't have the date set because I'm waiting for a response from Whitechapel in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to do a live stream magic show from the site of the Jack the Ripper murders. Oh, oh man, that's yep, it's, so cool. It's, it's, yep, we're going to do a, a real life seance, and I would like to ir- invite you two to partake in it. Love, okay. Dude, I'll, we would I'll, love to. Yep, I'll send you some uh, free Zoom links and some uh, material list that you can bring with you. Okay, uh, sweet. Because you'll be able to help us look into the death of these, tra- these the tragic deaths of these, uh, these women who are who had to suffer through uh, the, the the time period in history, and we're going to try to uncover the identity of the legendary and infamous douchebag that is Jack the Ripper. <laughs> oh, man! Well, thank you. We'd love to do this. That'd be, that'd be yeah, that'd be so much fun. Hundred percent. This is good. I love it. I'm excited already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let us know when it is, and and also, you know, whenever you let me know when it is, uh, I'll start promoting it for you. Oh, I appreciate that. I'll, Thank I will you. push it out and do whatever we can for you, man. That's fantastic. Um, but anyway, man, look. Thank you again for coming on the show and 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 telling people love, all your story and history. stuff. Yeah, the, the history is that you told was amazing. Yeah, and, it was so uh, much fun. Everybody needs to check you out and and what you do and how you do it is just phenomenal. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yep, I'd love to have you. Uh, you know, if you want. You know, let's talk after the show about some upcoming things that we have going on and see if you want to be involved. We'll do. We'll do. Um, so, Vince, thanks again uh, just for having you on the show. It was great. We had a blast, and uh, we hope to have you back on soon. Likewise. I can't wait to be here, and thank you for having me on the Metal Hand of God podcast. It was really exciting. Of course. My name is Vince Wilson, and I'm signing off. <laughs> so, all right. All right, guys, I was your host, Wayne. I'm the rum guy. And remember, boys and girls, to keep it, keep it, keep it. Go ahead and run. Run home and cry to mama. Get the fuck out. Okay, then. That's it.